Welcome to the Currently Nameless Podcast. Today, I sit down with Molly. She runs the cooking blog Onto Chatter, as well as the Locals Committee Recipes and Ramblings. This lady has been through the fire, both metaphorically and literally, and she is pure cold. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Molly. She runs the Recipes and Ramblings Community on Locals, as well as the blog Anti Chatter. Molly, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm so glad you could join me. This is just a really great time to talk to you. Um, you seem like the kind of person that you would want to talk to when your world is falling apart a little bit. So. Oh, well, that's a really sweet thing to say. Just, I, like, I feel like you're just such a, a comforting, steadying presence. And I just, I enjoy everything you put out there. It is very like down to earth, chill. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. I, I believe in, in being positive. It, it meets mm-hmm. the alternative. So we met through Phetasy. And then we ran into each other again in the Dave Rubin community. Um, And then I found out that you ran your own community. How did you find Locals? I found Locals through Dave Rubin. He was part of sort of the the big rabbit hole I went down last year when, you know, the lockdowns were starting and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was searching for um, some, some voices that, that I felt connected to because there was so much Mm-hmm. so much fear um on mainstream media and I don't like fear I like I like positivity and I like you know solutions and things and so that's I think I actually probably found Dave um I, I you know I'd never heard of Dave I'd never heard of Candace Owens I think I saw her on something else mm-hmm. and and then saw that she had done an interview with him and and I just sort of started following him and I just really liked what he had to say and joined the Rubin Report. And uh, that's been a great, great community. And Fetisy is a great community. And I just, I love locals. It's so positive. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it goes back to what you were saying about solutions. Like it is, we had a problem with censorship and big tech. And Dave Rubin was like, well, I'm going to find a solution to that problem and we are benefiting definitely big time from it so what led you to start your own community so I've I've run this blog for gosh about 10 years now and I just I thought well this would be a great way to interact with people if people have questions if people want to share what they're cooking, I love food. I love to talk about food and cooking and I'm really passionate about um, the importance of cooking. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, one of my main goals is to sort of demystify the process for people. So yeah, yeah, I just thought what the heck, I took a chance and opened up the community and it's been really, it's been really fun so far. That's really cool. Yeah, I noticed your very practical approach to eating well, and menu planning in general. And I was wondering how you developed that. Or is that something hmm. you've always done? Well, practical approach as far as the sort of foods I eat or the sort of things that I, I suppose that has evolved over the years. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in just eating real food. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've done, you know, countless diets and things along the way. And, I, you know, 
for me, unless you have a severe food allergy or something like that, really just cutting out entire food groups mm -hmm. and, and going hard on something doesn't make sense. So I think it's easier to try to incorporate all sorts of foods into your diet and, you know, meal planning. I, I wouldn't say I'm great at it. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty, I'm pretty disorganized in that way, but I do cook most nights. Um, mm -hmm. I sort of am a throw together, you know, type of person, which is interestingly why I started the blog. My niece, uh, Alicia lived with us uh, when my twins were babies. So she lived with us for two years and she was only, gosh, I think 19 at the time. And I was teaching her how to cook and, but I didn't ever write anything down. I didn't have any recipes that I went by. I was very much, you know, just throw together. And so mm -hmm. she was the one that really encouraged me to start the blog and start writing things down. I'm, I'm really glad I did. I refer back to, to things on it all the time. That's awesome. Cause that was one of my questions. Like, how did you start it? And I have so many blog questions cause you know, I'm trying to do this blog thing too. And it's not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's how you started it. Um, how did you start monetizing it? Well, right now, all I'm doing is AdSense um, through mm -hmm. Google. And and I'm not making money on the blog, just, you know, to be clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> Even <laughs> after 10 years, I don't mean to like, you know, yeah. be a Debbie Downer on that. But I, yeah. I you know, but that hasn't always, um, <clears throat> I would say really only in the last year or so have I, really tried to focus on making money from the blog. It's sort of been mm -hmm. a hobby. It's a lot of work, as you know, to try and, mm -hmm. you know, get out there and get after affiliates and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've gone down that road yet. I haven't. I'm, I'm looking towards doing yeah. that. I'm aware that that road exists. Right. But I'm like, it can stay there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I did go down the Amazon affiliate marketing thing. Okay. But I hadn't grown my audience enough for it. And it was kind of a different vision at the time. So yeah, I, I didn't have a good way to tie in what I was blogging about to possible things to sell. Okay. I figure that out. That's kind of where I'm at is I, I'm really trying to grow my audience right now and, and focusing mainly on Pinterest advertising, because that seems okay. for, for my, you know, type of blog, that seems to be the best, what's driving the most traffic at this point. Cool. That's and, good to know. Yeah. I think probably for the, you know, the sort of types of things that you do too, that might mm -hmm. be a good avenue for you. I don't know how much you do on Pinterest, but for recipes, for sure. That's what Yeah. Yeah, so. it's definitely the least obnoxious of the big social media avenues. And honestly, that's, yeah, I had briefly considered it because I know that you can make pins shoppable, but I hadn't yeah. gone down that route yet. So thank yeah. you for putting that back on my radar. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and um, there is one service, I guess, that I've joined called Tailwind. I don't know if you've heard of Tailwind or not, but it's a, it's a scheduler. And they have communities. So you can put your pins out into the different communities and they will share. And I found that that's, that's been a great way to, to, to get a lot more traffic on Pinterest for me. That's brilliant. I'm totally going to do that. Thank you. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I need to know all the tricks. So. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, 
like I said, I, I, I'm not a great example of any of somebody that's monetized my blog successfully yet, but hopefully, hopefully that will come. I think it says a lot about your character that you've kept doing it and about how much you love food and sharing your food knowledge with people. Yeah. Well, you know, I just found uh, there's been many times when I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, this is, <laughs> what, you know, nobody's paying attention, but then that's not exactly true because family members mm -hmm. love it, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, friends, you know, will, will say, Hey, do you know, do you have a recipe for this? And, and so just even the, the small amount of people I have been able to reach over the years and, you know, and, and then it's, it's growing, but, um, mm -hmm. It's worth it. It's worth it. And like I said, mm -hmm. I refer back to it. So it's like a yeah. diary. It's like a diary of food, sort of. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. So what's your process like? Because I know that there are times that you don't want to write. You're just not feeling inspired. What's your process on those days? Uh, I don't. If I'm oh. not feeling it, I don't do it. Honest, I mean, just Love to be that. honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have lots of other things to do. You know, I do try to get a post out once a week. Sometimes it's twice a month. It just sort of depends on where I'm at in my life and, and how busy I am. A lot of times what I'll do instead of doing the writing is I'll edit photos or I'll just mm -hmm. do that sort of, or I'll, you know, go on Tailwind and I'll do a bunch of busy work until I can kind of get into that space because it doesn't just come. Yeah, usually usually I need a quiet house and um, <laughs> sometimes it's late at night, you know, but yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. How old are your girls right now? They're 14. Okay. Yeah. Not a quiet house. No, I mean, they're, you know, they're upstairs in their rooms most of the time. So, you know, it's, it's pretty quiet, but. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. I'm just remembering me at 14. Not quiet. <laughs> yeah. So you live in Oregon, right? On the north in the northwest. Yes, I live in Bend in central Oregon. Okay. How do you cope culturally? You know, I am a lifelong Oregonian. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and so the culture here, while I know seems extreme to a lot of people, is just very familiar to me. I would say Central Oregon is not, you know, it's, it's nothing like a Portland situation. Uh, obviously, we're all sort of devastated about what's going on in Portland right now. Yeah. You know, and that's just in the city, too. You know, I have a lot of friends in the area that, you know, things are, things are okay. I, I love living in Bend. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place to live. And I, I'm assuming you mean how I cope with sort of people's attitudes and things right now or yeah with all of the cultural divides like are people mm -hmm. nasty to each other in person no that. i'm not okay. finding that at all i'm not finding that at all um, most of the people i'm you know in contact with are very respectful of of each other's views i do keep quiet about some stuff you know I, i'll be honest I know not everybody shares my views. I know not everybody's gone down sort of the path of research that I've done on certain things and everybody has some mm -hmm. different information. Mm -hmm. So I try to remember that and I try to sort yeah. of, you know, um, 
give grace there and also know that I don't know everything either. You know, there's, there's information I don't have too. Mm -hmm. So I, um, yeah, I try to just keep, keep my friendship strong and not have politics be a wedge. Um, so far they haven't been thankfully. That's great. What are some things you've changed your mind on as you've done your research and gone down the rabbit holes? A lot, actually. Yeah. Um, I would say in January of last year, I was, I was not thinking about politics. I mean, I just have never, you know, never really been that interested. Honestly. Yeah. Um, and didn't pay a ton of attention to the news lately, but I'm somebody, when something happens, like when 9-11 happened or when Princess Diana died, or like mm -hmm. I am glued to the television. I want mm -hmm. the information. And so when COVID hit, I wanted all the information. I, I found such negativity coming from the mainstream media and it really concerned me honestly so, so i i started watching press conferences every day and realized that um the hopeful message that was coming out of some of those press conferences mm -hmm. was not mm -hmm. being relayed by the mainstream media media excuse me mm -hmm. in fact it was quite the opposite and mm -hmm. it just seemed to me that that there was a lot of fear being drummed up that was not helpful and was not necessary. And so, yeah, I mean, it just sort of led me to a lot of different voices, you know, like Dave Rubin. Um, there's a doctor I've followed for years named Christian Northrup. She wrote a book called Women's Bodies with Women's Wisdom. And so, I, you know, she's somebody that I've, I've followed throughout the years. And I started listening to her and she just made a lot of sense to me. She's now on the, you know, dirty dozen of people that are giving out false information, you know, those bad doctors that are <laughs> so annoying. I, I suppose, you know, if you'd asked me in January of, of 2020, you know, who I'd vote for, it, it, it wouldn't have been the current president, you know, the, the, I wouldn't have voted for Trump back then. Um, I, I would have said, oh gosh, you know, let's, let's bring in somebody like, like Joe Biden. Cause you know, we just need everything to settle down and um, <laughs> we have settled down so much, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I, and I think a lot of people still feel that way. And, and that's why he was voted in. Um, yeah. But for me, that, you know, I just, from what I learned along the way, I, I have the exact opposite feeling now. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah. think, not wild. Yeah, it really is. It really is. No, I, I went from, gosh, anybody but Trump to, mm -hmm. oh, I, yeah, actually, I think, I think we need somebody like that. So, yeah. especially given the options. And that would, you know, and, you know, back to your question of how I cope, that would shock a lot of my friends. I, I think, I'm hopeful that people are sort of realizing that we're not exactly in a, in a safety zone right now with our, with our current administration either. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that was something. So I didn't vote in 2016. I didn't really see a difference. I didn't really care either way. 2020, I cared <laughs> um, just because of the way things had developed. I think it was the lockdowns 
that made me really care. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was definitely the lockdowns and then, and then the rioting that, Mm -hmm. that started to happen. For me, the, the two main things were the fear and the shame coming from, Mm. from the media. And I, you know, I'm, I'm adamantly opposed to both (laughs) messages. You know, I, I don't, I don't think they're productive. I don't, I don't think, you know, that's not, that's not what I want Mm -hmm. my girls to, to feel when they watch the news or they, not that they watch the news, but yeah, I just think that there was a, the big campaign, frankly, of fear and shame Mm -hmm. to get people to comply to Mm -hmm. the lockdowns. And it smelled a lot like socialism to me as soon as people started closing their businesses and they wouldn't Mm -hmm. let them open back up and as a small business owner for, mm-hmm. you know, most of my life and the, the kid of a small business owner, um, that really, that really affected me. Okay. I remember, um, back in 2016 when Trump won and seeing the reaction of people who voted for Clinton, I was like, that's so sad. I wish they recognized their own agency and would turn away from politics and start to make positive changes in their own lives and focus on what they could control. And then I had the opportunity in 2020 to put that into practice um, because I got a little bit of a taste of that, like, oh, I was really hoping it would go one way and it went completely the opposite. I'm not going to let myself be one of those people. Right. Yeah. No. So that was definitely... It was more mental effort than I wanted it to be, to be honest, yeah, to, was, yeah. to take my focus off of that and shift to how yeah. can I make things better? How can I help people in my own little way? Yeah, it was emotional because I just think the stakes are mm-hmm. so high right now. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I've never felt that before. I didn't vote in, I voted in 2016, but I didn't vote for either presidential candidate. I, <laughs> I voted for everything else, but I left it blank. I just, I just couldn't. Yeah, I, just I don't couldn't. blame you. Do it. Um, so, yeah, and I, you know, I don't identify with any party, you know, party. Mm-hmm. I've always sort of voted for the person and I find it really strange and disturbing the tribalism that has occurred and the absolute mm-hmm. ism, if you will, of mm-hmm. one party being seen as this and one party being seen as, as that. It's, it's something that was never part of our culture before. I don't feel like this strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right about that. But going back to what you said about your parents were small business owners. Uh-huh. And then yeah. what did they do? So when I was eight, my dad, um, along with some a, a partner, uh, bought a restaurant in Eugene called The Treehouse. And from the time I was eight until I was 28, they had that restaurant. My dad actually passed away when I was 20. So, but my mom and my brothers um, continued to run it after. And so I like to say, you know, I sort of grew up in a restaurant. It was a, it was an interesting way to grow up for sure in the eighties, but uh, yeah, so it was, that was what we did. You know, all of my siblings worked there at least at one time or another and that was what we knew. Are you drawing on a lot of that experience to do what you do now? 
I have drawn a lot. I, you know, my husband and I have had a couple of small businesses. Our first one was in, um, when we lived in Chicago, it was called action. Oh, it was called paintballgear.com. And then it was called action village. And we got into it right in 1998 when everybody said we were crazy and you know, the dot-com thing was just happening. That business grew so fast and was really very successful, but you know, we were in our early thirties, we were, you know, sort of, uh, really learning a lot in those days. The things that I drew on if for that business were honestly a lot, what not to do. Um, I saw a lot of, you know, it's really easy when you have a small business to, to make it like a family and, and, and there are really good parts of that. And there are really not so good parts. And, you know, Bob and I, my husband, you know, found that with us, we had to sort of be the boss. We couldn't be everybody's friend because we saw how destructive that could be. We went through a lot of growing pains with that. I'll be honest, you know, it's hard, especially when you're young to be the boss. And we did have relationships that very painfully ended from, you know, hiring friends and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that was one of the hardest things I think. And I was very involved in that business, you know, before we had kids and, and everything right now we have a utility trailer business that my husband runs in the day to day of that. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, you know? <laughs> so when you were running the, the paintball, Thing. You said things, that, right? Yeah, that's so cool though. Um, you said that you learned a lot about what not to do. What are some things you found effective while running your small business, especially in terms of managing employees? Um, I think, you know, just being, being fair. At one point we were up to 80 employees in our, yeah. We found Impressive. out, I know, it, the, it grew really fast, trust me, it, and then it crashed really fast in 2008, um, when, when everything else did, but, um, and Amazon took over the world. You know, one thing we did find was that bigger is not always better, you know, you sort of have to find your lane and know how much business you want to take on and how much is comfortable to take on because at some point in managing so many people and so many orders and so many, you know, can actually, you know, while it, while it seems great to have more business, sometimes it's counterproductive, honestly, it costs mm -hmm. more. And so that was, that was a good lesson for us. And we're still learning, you know, I mean, and it took, it took Bob a long time to learn this, tra this utility trailer business because it was something that, you know, he had never dipped his toe into before. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you're just constantly, constantly learning and, you know, constantly learning how to, to be a good, fair business owner, boss, you know, you want to give your employees the best 
but you know at some point you also have to make sure you're looking out for the good of the company and it, one thing that i did learn from my parents business and from our businesses is you cannot hang on to one person and try to fix try to fix their life try to give them more to the detriment of the rest of the company and that is that is something i think that probably most owners deal with at some point you know you have a person who maybe you know you just love the person but they're always late or they're always you know calling in sick on a monday or they're you know and you feel for them because of their family situation or or whatever you just you know you just really love the person but the rest of the staff is suffering and the company is suffering and those are the really hard those are the really hard decisions to make uh, when it comes to employees because you know if you're a caring person you do you want to do the best for everybody it sounds like you have some intense personal experience with that and figuring out how to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think it comes with the territory. Honestly, I, I would be surprised if most business owners didn't deal with that sort of situation, you know, sometimes it's more extreme than others, but yeah. And I, I think, you know, when you're, when you're in the role of boss, um, you're not allowed to make any mistakes, mm. you know, it's like parenting in, in a way. The buck stops at you and you're not always going to be forgiven for making a hard decision. People aren't going to always see what the reason the decision you're making is. Bob and I used to laugh. He uh, early on in our days in Chicago, he had some bosses that, uh, you know, they were, they were pretty tough, um, great guys, but pretty tough. And he managed their, their business and Bob's a smart guy and he's, you know, he's really assertive and knows what he's doing. But one day they, they had him come in the office and they said, you know, Bob, sometimes we just want you to you know, if we tell you to hang the painting upside down, we just want you to hang it upside down. We don't want you to ask why. And at the time, you know, this was when we were sort of in our mid-20s. We had just moved out to Chicago for him to work for this company. And we thought, oh, gosh, you know, that's terrible. Why wouldn't you question? Why wouldn't you, you know, um, push back? And, you know, then we had our own, own company and we got that. We really got it, you know, so... I don't know. That's just kind of a funny little anecdotal thing that I always remember about owning, owning your own business, that people aren't always going to understand your decisions. I think his mentality says a lot about how he ended up owning his own business. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're yeah. like, I want to know why this is this yeah. made. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. have to ask the person. Yeah. He wasn't really meant for working for somebody else. <laughs> so when the crash hit in 2008, and you guys had to give up your paintball business. Mm -hmm. What did you do next? How did you get through that? So we actually, we had our, we had our business by then it was called Action Village because we had branched out into snowboard and um, skateboard equipment. 
And we did have that business until 2010 when we sold it. Um, so, you know, we held on to it. We cut staff. It was a really difficult time because, you know, our, our girls were really small. They were born in 2007. And we were mainly living in Bend at that point and sort of going back and forth. Um, Bob and Bob was back and forth to Chicago a lot. So it sort of was a, a, a gradual slowdown. And then eventually we, we decided to sell the business. So it was a really hard decision. But, um, but by that time, we had gotten into this other trailer business. So that was taking up some time. And um, my sister and I actually in 2008, in the fall of 2008, opened up a retail clothing business in downtown Bend. <laughs> Which we managed to keep going for two years and then went like, okay, our lease is up, we're out, because it was the worst possible time, you know, to open a business. But uh, so yeah, so there were some, you know, there was some dicey years in there, for sure. We really, we were, we were grateful for the success of our prior <laughs> endeavors to sort of get us through those times. Yeah, we, you know, the crash, it was it's hard. And, and the other thing that happened with many retailers uh, still happening, you know, if people are so bold to go and, and try it themselves, is Amazon just, they come in and they, they take the business, you know. I remember at one point we were really excited because they wanted to partner up with us, with our business. And, uh, you know, we soon learned that that wasn't such a great situation because they would they would do that they would come in and they would say hey we want to you know get get your products on our side and and then they would sort of cherry pick the products and we were out of there so that was a hard wow. lesson yeah yeah that's yeah. Brutal. yeah so how did you come back from that like what was it about your mentality that enabled you to be resilient while it was happening. I think while it's happening, you just don't really, you don't really have any choice, but to just sort of move through it. And, you know, it was, again, it was a gradual process. It wasn't like, you know, it complete that, that piece didn't like completely destroy our business as much as the crash hitting and people just weren't spending money on frivolous things like paintball and skateboard equipment, you know, I mean, it just wasn't, wasn't happening. So, you know, we didn't take it personally. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, Bob and I, I think we've always just tried to look for, for, you know, to the road ahead and, and not look too far behind us. We're, we're doing, but you know, it, 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 it was tough. It wasn't, wasn't a great, great time for sure. What are some books or business personalities, business speakers, um, or resources that you found most helpful? Uh, well, going back to my blog, something that just jumps out to me right now is, you know, are the, like the Michael Pollan books and a book by Barbara Kingsolver that I read called Animal Vegetable Miracle. Um, really, you know, th those those books taught me a lot about 
our food system and the importance of eating real food and what's going on with, you know, monocultures and, and that sort of thing. You know, and as far as, as far as business goes, back in the day, you know, we would read books like The One Minute Manager and, you know, some of those uh, popular business books to, you know, I mean, there's a lot of just really good business practices in, in some of those. Yeah, I can't, I, I don't really have any, any recent authors that I can think of. Or, uh, Do you find that your experience has in the end been the best teacher? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No, you just got to go through what you can't know beforehand. Absolutely. If you, I mean, if we, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, I think in anybody's life, if you know what you're going to go through in the next, you know, <laughs> decade, you're not going. You'd be like, no, 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 no. That's not, we're not getting through that. <laughs> Get me off this ride. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, experience is definitely the best teacher. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, you just got to keep pushing through. And, and there, you know, there, there have been amazing highs in our collective careers and um, businesses and amazing lows, you know, so they both teach for sure. I want to hear about these highs and lows. Well, okay. So, you know, our business at one point, Action Village was, gosh, I, I wish I could keep numbers in my head. I don't keep numbers in my head. But let's just say our business was like, we had our own dedicated, you know, UPS truck outside of the warehouse every day to, to ship packages out. That's how fast it grew. That's how much it grew. It went from, you know, Bob and I in a little tiny one room <laughs> office um, to, you know, a big, like I said, 80 person operation at one point. So that was both a high and a low, you know, that was really, was really exciting, you know, financially, it was really, really rewarding, but we were so in over our heads, you know, we were, gosh, I think I was 29 when we, when we opened that business and Bob was 31. So we were young and so yeah, it was, it was an interesting lesson because I, you know, we grew up very sort of lower middle class, you know, having a restaurant business, um, it seems glamorous. It didn't bring in a lot of money, um, you know, growing up, but, uh, you know, so to experience that level of financial success was, was really exciting and it was great. But at the same time, we were dealing with things like, you know, my mom passed away and his dad died. And, you know, just, you know, there was a lot of loss in there as well. And it's really lonely when you are, you know, growing a business like that and you do get in over your head. And we were working crazy, crazy hours and we were not healthy, you know, in, in any other way, but financially at that point, really, when, when I think about it. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting, interesting time. But, looking back, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead. So looking back, is there anything you would have told your younger self about how to manage all of that? 
like if you were mentoring someone who was in the same position you were in, what advice would you give them? Yeah, I would say to focus a little bit more on, on some self-care and not let yourself just get completely consumed by, mm -hmm. by the day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. um, really good. Yeah. Cause I would, you know, I can look back at pictures of myself during that time. And, uh, you know, like I said, I lost my mom when I was 30 and we had only had the, you know, that was like right at the real growth point of our business. And, um, I was super, you know, I was really heavy. I don't, I wouldn't record, I don't recognize myself when I wow. look at pictures of, of those days because I was so lost in the, in the day to day, just trying to keep it keep it going and um, take care of staff and take care of, mm -hmm. you know, the growth of the business. Yeah. So in 2010, when you had to sell the business at that point, were you just ready to let it go? I was, um, it was, a, I was a little on the fence, but you know, I had taught, I had twin toddlers at the time. So that was my focus. Then we did, you know, we, we, we thought about it very seriously. We almost made the decision to move back to Chicago and just kind of, you know, go forward with the business. And I'm glad we didn't do that for sure. I'm glad we stayed in Bend. And, um, but yeah, it was bittersweet. It was, it was the right decision for the time though, for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. It sounds like your husband already had this utility trailer thing. He About did get up and got it in a shrewd business deal. I don't know if you've ever seen the White Christmas, the movie White Christmas. But yes, yes, I love that movie. Um, yeah, you know, we sort of stumbled into it through some neighbors, and yeah, it was kind of a side thing, you know, for like, okay, we will invest in this business, and you know, somebody else is going to run it, and about like three or four years into it, Bob really needed to step in and make that his, his day to day and take over and it, you know, what year was that basically had to grow it, you know, from the ground up, really, it, it was, it was, again, you know, any, any small business was really suffering in those days. So mm -hmm. yeah, he's done, he's done a great job of it. So what year did he step in full time? You know, I, I think it was in about 2013, okay. I would say. Yeah. The girls, the girls were like in first or second grade. Yeah. So between 2010, when you had to sell the, tell me the name one more time, Action. Action Village. Action Village. Thank you. Yeah. And when he stepped in full time for the trailer business, uh -huh. how did y'all make ends meet? Well, we, uh, we still had proceeds from the business from, from oh, selling. Great. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was really, I mean, it was really lucky that, that that business did as well as it did because the next, you know, decade wasn't quite as, as yeah. brutal. Um, it sounds like y'all earned it though. Uh, you know, I like to think we did. I mean, yeah. Yeah, we, you know, it was sort of a luck of, of timing and mm -hmm. hard work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did your husband take this trailer business from something that just wasn't doing very well to where it is now? 
well, one thing that he's really good at is relationships with the vendors. Mm. And so he really started to develop and repair relationships with, with the vendors when he stepped in. And I think that that was, was a key part of, of growing it. He also, <clears throat> you know, really just looked at cost of goods and made sure we were making our margins and making sure we were, you know, getting what we needed for service and it hasn't been seamless. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a, definitely a learning curve for him as well, but. Mm -hmm. That's an industry that never would have crossed my mind. And goodness for shrewd business deals. I know, right? It's just slightly less weird than the paintball industry. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly not one that ever crossed my mind. That was when we, we just fell into that too, so. Yeah. That's wild. We're grateful for the industry we're in because we've, we've been able to stay open and run our business the last year, which has been a huge blessing. Sure. Yeah. How did, how did it affect you guys? Actually, it, it was really, you know, we did have to lay off most of our staff, but Bob was able to, you know, he and I think one or two other people in the office were able to stay open um, because we're automotive. So I guess we were deemed essential. And our online business grew. So That's great. yeah, in that way, it's been, it's been great. So yeah, no, I mean, we've been really fortunate the last year. For sure. I'm glad to hear that. That's such a yeah, relief. I've been, been so worried about everyone. Yeah. 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 I mean, I have my brother's still in the restaurant business and they, they've really struggled. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Tell me about a challenge that you thought was insurmountable at the time. Um, how did you overcome it and what did you learn about yourself and life? Sorry, multi-part question. I might have to wheel that down at some point. That's okay. That's okay. We had a pretty big, big challenge a few years ago when our house burned down. Um, it was, you know, <sighs> yeah. Um, December 28th, 27th. So, right, so, Christmas. so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. You have no house now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In 2017, um, house burned down completely to the ground. So it was like 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, we all got out except for the, um, really sadly, our dogs didn't make it out. I'm so um, sorry. Like it just, like it was so surreal and fast. How did that um, happen? Do you mind if I ask how it happened? I think, you know, there was never a cause determined. We think it was, um, probably from electrical, from Christmas lights. Mm. Uh, we had been smelling for the last few days. Like I thought somebody had gotten a new like wood burning stove <laughs> in the neighborhood. Okay. Okay. So I think it had been sort of smoldering under the bark mm -hmm. dust and then it just, um, yeah. Uh, so that was a really, really, really hard thing to go through for sure. My girls were 10 at the time mm. and, uh, we had this, um, we had two dogs, we had two labs, um, 
and Scout was a 10-month-old humongous white lab. And we all went out the back door and Scout went down to get his food because he was a puppy and he was, you know, and, and, and Scooter followed him down and they didn't make it out. And, um, you know, I, I credit my husband for not, you know, there were, there were some cruel people after that, you know, were like, how could you let, you know, how could you let your dogs, you know, like, well, he wouldn't have made it if he had gone in after the dogs, you know, and so anyway, sorry to kind of get off. No, that's just awful tangent um yeah that sounds like an insurmountable challenge a seemingly insurmountable challenge definitely lost everything all of our earthly possessions um we had good insurance so that's good but yeah but what i learned you know was that we had a community that just completely rallied around us that's Um, beautiful yeah and sorry i don't usually get emotional um it's okay this is an emotional thing for sure for my girls you know especially that was like such a important thing for them to learn that you know really awful stuff can happen and people Mm -hmm. people will come in and help and um so yeah you know it's it's not been an easy an easy road back but we, you know, we, we often talk about the things that have happened now that wouldn't have happened had that really awful thing okay. not happened, you know, like okay. our rescue dog, Davey, like, you know, we wouldn't know Davey and he's like the best, you know, things since sliced bread. So, <laughs> so there's always, you know, there's always lessons. There's always lessons whenever tragedy happens and I'm a firm believer that in times of the greatest you know chaos and and tragedy come the greatest lessons and and Mm -hmm. the greatest you know sort of appreciation for for what you do have in life so Mm -hmm. that's so good making mental notes and then one more. In what ways do you want to grow personally and professionally? Ooh, I like that one. I want to start making some money. Yeah. You know, I, I am 52. I've sort of been a support to my husband in our businesses. It's never really been my thing. I've never given myself a lot of um, credit for the things that I'm good at, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I've got this blog and it's a hobby, but I, it doesn't really mm-hmm. need to do anything. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of past that. I'm sort of like, okay, I'm ready to, to grow this. I'm writing a cookbook. I'm ready to, I mean, I guess, you know, money is a good side, you know, effect of it, but I'm, I'm ready to have my own sort of success. But when's your cookbook coming out and what's the process for that like? So that's a fun process. I'm actually, um, I'm actually taking a lot of menus and recipes from our, our, our family restaurant we had growing up and focusing on some recipes from my brother, who is a chef still in Eugene. And so it's a lot of sort of looking back and uh, recreating the, the, the treehouse recipes for the home cook. And yeah, it's coming along. I don't have a, I don't have a date 
um, that it's going to be out, but I, I hope to, I hope to complete it this year sometime. Are you self-publishing or going through a publisher? I'm going to self-publish. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. What's it going to be called? I don't know yet. I don't have a okay. name yet. All yeah, right. I don't, I'm trying to come up with one. Well, you'll have I'm to sort of like, I think I'll, I think I'll have the book and then, uh, then the name will come. And that's sort of what I'm thinking will happen. <laughs> there you go. Kind of like this podcast. There's, there's no name for it. <laughs> I'm going to oh, have to well. put something out in the community and be like, what do we call this? Yeah. 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 Molly, remind us where we can find you. So you can find me at um, Recipes and Ramblings Community on Locals. And you can also find me at antichatter.com. Awesome. It's been so great to chat with you today. It's been so great to chat with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're very welcome. I, I appreciate you being brave and guinea pigging for me. <laughs> well, it, I, yeah, I have to say I was a little nervous, but um, no, it's, it's been great. And I really, I also really want to thank you for, for creating Liberty Square, because I think that that's mm -hmm. really an awesome opportunity for those of us in the locals community to promote our businesses and um, it's just a great I, I hope more people jump on because I think it's really one of those communities where we really can give and take mm -hmm. mutually beneficial absolutely yeah. so this is serenity maker with the currently nameless podcast reminding you guys to bet on main street and shop locals <laughs>